Hello, Tom here with you for this special weekend episode of The Briefing. And we wanted to bring you this extra episode so we could give you this extended version of our interview with Magda Zabanski. She's an amazing Australian and we focused on her story on yesterday's briefing. Basically, she copped a whole lot of abuse for doing this ad during the Melbourne lockdown. I tell you what, I am so over this lockdown. It's not the lockdown that's the enemy, it's the virus. And the sooner we obey the rules, the sooner this will all be over and we can get back to the stuff that really matters. Nitty. (laughs) So Sharon's participation in that ad brought a horrific level of online abuse for, for Magda. And it wasn't your typical kind of vitriol. The safety commissioner called it volumetric cross-platform online abuse. So as you're about to hear, this is a topic that Magda knows a whole lot about. And she's really passionate about it. She had so much to say for yesterday's episode that we couldn't fit it all in. So we wanted to bring it all to you because she goes really deep, but she does give us a few laughs along the way as well. Um, Annika and I really enjoyed the conversation. She even gives us a little shout out towards the end to Prue, who's trying to get to Noosa soon. (laughs) Uh, Magda, it's been a huge week for Melbournians like you. Um, What's the first thing you did once you got some of your freedoms back? Um, I, no, I haven't really, I, I'm probably sort of stepping into it a bit cautiously, but I just, I just, you know, went for a walk with a friend and, um, I've been making my coffees at home now. So I've sort of <laughs> got a bit habituated. Maybe I've got a bit of Stockholm syndrome, but, um, <laughs> it was just such an incredible feeling. It really, it, it really is. It was, it's been a long, however many days over one, what, how many days is it? A hundred and. No, seventy or something. Yeah, I've lost count. You know, that's the thing. I have, I should have been marking them up on the wall of my prison, <laughs> shouldn't I? But <laughs> look, it's it's so worth it because it just it, it had to be done once it was out. Um, my view was that um, you know, irrespective of how it was caused, you know, and once that path was gone down of the lockdown, you can't change horses midstream, and we had to see it through. Um, so that we could be in step with the other states because we don't want to be the pariah state. You know, we <laughs> want to really um, reassure people that this is, you know, we're, we're solid now. We're, you can trust us. You know, we're not going to come and infect you. Yeah. <laughs> and then at least within Australia, we can get back to a semblance of normal life because I've been talking to my friends, you know, in Sydney and other places and New Zealand and um, they're just having a really – you guys are having a really normal life and it is it is quite weird, you know. So so really looking forward to it getting normaler, COVID normaler. This ties in directly with your recent experience of of trolling. When when you signed up for the, the government messaging around the lockdown measures, did you ever expect it would come with this much backlash? No, I mean, it's, look, the thing is that there was, it, there's a real pattern to it. The initial response, which is the genuine human people response, <laughs> was overwhelmingly positive. People loved the ad and they thought it was funny and a fun way of just, you know, trying to get the message across. Um, but certainly I didn't think, um, I mean, I get a fair bit of trolling these days if I, you know, if I pop my head over the parapet to talk about anything <laughs> um, other than how to poach an egg. Um, but um, <laughs> if I mention climate change or, and so you do start to notice when you talk on certain subjects that there are ways that that, that um, the responses occur. So what happens is there's just the genuine humans going like, oh, this is, you know, that's nice or, or some would disagree with you. Mm. But then you start to notice a volume come in, usually within the next about 24 hours, 
And so I'd started to see these patterns. I was like, oh, okay, they've, they've put the word around to one another because then they all pile on. And um, so, yeah, I thought I was just doing my civic duty as a Melbourneian, as a Victorian, as a proper human being. And um, I was surprised that what was just a basic public health announcement attracted this, uh, you know, massive attack. So, you know, to me it was the equivalent of doing a slip, slop, slap ad, <laughs> you know. It was, like, it was like that, you know. And, even... and then, of course, they always do the fat shaming because they think that's their winning, their winning um, mm. the trump card, so to speak, because the thing is that fat people are supposed we're supposed to be so ashamed of ourselves that we never mm. fight back and i was like oh well you know f- you basically <laughs> um i got my dander up because i thought apart from anything else um why should fat people be excluded from any conversation um including one about public health but i've been in hospitals and to doctors and there's plenty of overweight doctors nurses and, and i just thought it was so insulting to them so anyway that that's sort of how it went. Partly, it's hard to imagine we could even pull off a slip, slop, slap campaign these days with you know how controversial everything seems to be. Now, with the yeah. e-safety commissioner, she said that it, you know this wasn't your normal trolling. She described it as sort of mainly white extremists, conspiracy theorists, and it, it actually had a real political element to it. Something we've seen a lot during this pandemic. So, what do you think it was that? It, you know, about your comments and your involvement that really triggered them? Was it just from people that don't believe in the virus or was it something more than that? No, what? because I spoke to her and she said it's a thing called brigading because I had seen these patterns where there's it's because of the way the timeline happens. If they all happen spontaneously at the, at the moment that you do the tweet or do the campaign or whatever, you'd go, oh, this is just real people responding in a real way but because it it seems to take time for them to organize and then they pile on so i've no i've noticed this you know for for i've been actually talking about this um online for uh, uh, sorry in interviews and on tv and stuff for quite a while but it wasn't until i spoke to her that i realized it was really you know super coordinated and she was sort of telling me about like the boogaloo boys and things like that you know and i was like oh good god you know it's since marriage equality sorry to go back to your Mm. question since i became sort of a, a, a kind of a soft power voice um because of marriage equality um i'm seen to i suppose to have some kind of you know public social power I never really thought that, but I'm starting to realise I do, and um, I, that's why they go for me. Um, also, because I'm a woman and gay, you know, they seem to be all the various things. So, mm. so I also because I speak up, you know, about a number of things that they hate. Like I, I speak up about gay rights and I speak up about climate change. So, so you know, I I, I have sort of got a target on my back. So, so that's why they then brigade and they swarm but you can you know really when you've been doing this for a while you you know Matt Preston and Shane Jacobson and I were um, regularly talking about this and it was really great that the three of us all stood up together you know that really helped Mm -hmm. and when it first happened to me was when I did um, um, I raised money when Israel Folau had made his his comments um, an interfaith (laughs) group of us how how anodyne is that um, but an interfaith group of like, you know, Christians, Muslims, a few atheists and gay people, we did a GoFundMe to raise money just to send a message 
to LGBTQI kids that not all people of faith think they're going to hell. That was all we did. And I got this pylon that was, you know, just, just absolutely massive. So, you know, you, you really do start seeing the pattern and then to have it absolutely confirmed by um, the commissioner was, was it's, it's, it is really nice to have it, you know, to know that, yeah, what you're seeing is actually what's happening. A lot of your abuse did come from the right and, and the COVID-19 deniers, if you sort of could have put them in that category. But during the pandemic, we've seen sort of this tribalism where, you know, between the left and the right, attacks on journalists, attacks on anything people don't want to hear, really. What do you think it is it about this pandemic that has really brought that out? Is it a fear or do you think this is something that's just it's, been underlying is, in our society? It's fear. I mean, it's it's a deep fear that I think people are not really even quite willing to admit that they have. You know, this is why I've sort of really moved a lot into um, helping people, you know, with PTSD and working with organisations. Um, and I'm, I'm an ambassador for Phoenix Australia now. They're like the the Australia's leading um, PTSD mental health organisation. Because um, the way that people respond when they're really frightened is something we need to be more intelligent about. And I know I get certainly triggered, but I think really it's been a slow-growing fear, I honestly think, ever since 9-11, especially in America, um, you know, when it when it was when once those, those two planes pierced the Twin Towers, it was obvious that it wasn't the superpower that everyone thought it was. And and then we had the GFC. And so as much as people are blaming social media, there have been a lot of quite scary world events. I think, you know, there was global terrorism, um, there was the GFC, and now we have a pandemic. And and then Trump, of course, is in there. And the, the thing about social media is that it... Um, what it does is it makes it able to purvey um, um, these modes of, of pylons, these these sort of tactics are, are easier for people to communicate to one another across the globe. But I but I think I honestly think that's what it's brought out is that there are just you know di- two different sort of personality types. I mean, Jonathan Haidt's written a lot about this, um, but you, you know these sort of there's always been like the Republicans, the Democrats, liberal Labor, liberal Labor, you know, and and um, and then it's just fractured into smaller groups of that. But you know, I think it's fear, and I think it's also a need to feel special and to matter, and mm-hmm. to feel like you have some sense of control. It's that, and a whole lot of there are so many things in that cauldron uh, that are bubbling away together. But um, I'm one of those who who. I think this pandemic is incredibly serious. If it really gets a hold into, uh, you know, once you start seeing like police and and healthcare workers, my fear is a form of social collapse. Now, maybe I'm disasterizing. You, you look at what happened in New York, and so you know, <laughs> the libertarians would say that people like me are frightened of the world and want to control things, and it's like. Yeah, I'm Polish and Irish enough that, yeah, maybe I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it's brought out people's, um, I guess, natural posture, the way they sort of engage with with anything in the world, but I guess demonstrated those those responses in very extreme ways given the extreme nature of the situation we're facing. Did you, was there any point where you considered or 
where you regretted being part of this campaign or even considered asking for the ads to be taken down? No, but I did have, um, I mean, the thing is I did want to know, you, you know, I deliberately stay out of politics. I don't, um, because I don't know what's going on, what plans they're, you know, they seem like good guys, but I don't know what they're doing. I'm not, I can't endorse government. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I, I, I can't do that because I don't know enough about it to speak on their behalf in that regard. So my only issue was I believed in the lockdown um, because, you know, I had spoken to several epidemiologists and I believe we should have actually done it earlier. And if we'd all done it for two, three weeks, it would have been just bang, done. But, you know, you have to have public buy-in, which is becoming increasingly difficult to get, I think. So my concern was that um, I didn't want the ads to be going as the government changed its policy, I had to be like, well, no, that's not what I signed on for. Or, yes, I did sign on oh, for that. That's tricky. Yeah, it is. It is because it was so weaponized and because people were so, um, I mean, it has had it, you know, the, the, the lockdown has had a massive impact on people's lives. My view is that, that I have family in the UK, you know, I have family in, in Poland. And the virus running rampant, I well, I just actually had heart palpitations thinking, but I'm terrified for them. And they are, you know, the sort of messages are coming out of there. And it's interesting. They're all going, you know, and I get this on Twitter all the time now too. They were going, we wish that we were doing, we had a leader that was doing what, what your leader has done. Yeah. So it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, it, I mean... Who, who knows how to do this thing? You know, it's and and every country is having such a different response. But it does seem to be, um, uh, and I think the the advice from the WHO has been a bit confusing. Like, oh no, lockdowns aren't good. I oh, know that you know. <laughs> yeah, but so it's so interesting the point you make there that you made this one very simple statement, but it was seen as endorsing a government policy that was so dynamic and, and changing all the time. So that put you in yeah. a very, very tricky situation. Now, the advice we, we often hear is not to feed the trolls, but you don't seem to take that approach on, on some, some occasions, at least. In August, you made a very defiant Twitter post saying you'd never quit the platform. You told the COVID deniers to bring it on. And then you obviously do a lot of talking about this issue in interviews like this one. What, why do you take this approach and, and do you think it works? It's a dynamic response that you, not everyone can do it and I can't even do it all the time. You have to be um, pick your moment and once I really realised this was, was happening, I was like, it was scary. It was, it was actually really scary because some of them were kind of threatening, yeah. you know, and, and it got to the point actually where the government put me, put, put me in touch with Vic Police, Victoria Police, because it was it was that full on, you know, and I was certainly screen capping all. <laughs> so that was like a full time job, screen capping all of wow. the, the the trolls um, uh, across multiple platforms as well. Of course, I just felt so irate at the COVID deniers, like that really just drove me crazy, and I was like bring it on, Take, show, us, show us the whites of your eyes, you know, let, let us see what your facts are. Um, but I thought it was very, very important because a lot of people I knew, even people in, in the medical profession didn't know that, that it wasn't just that there were, there were people who were non-compliant, there were people who actually 
you know, they're the flat earthers of COVID. They don't believe COVID exists. And I thought it was very important. Um, I, you know, I'd very early on done um, some videos with healthcare workers and ambulance drivers and stuff. And I feel incredibly protective of those people. And to have this other message out there, uh, you know, I, I mean, my God, a friend of mine whose mother recently died, she tweeted about this so I can tell this story. Her mother recently died of COVID and she was out walking with a friend and two joggers jogged past, not wearing masks, and yelled at her, take your masks off. It's all a hoax. It's And her and she's like, her mother just died of it. You know, my next-door wow. neighbour, his father died of it. It's, it's, I think we're grappling to get the reality of th- this thing is so big. I think that's why people just actually sort of don't want to know and we have to find some way to be able to face the 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 reality. It's like a, it's like the world's had a heart attack, you know, I think mm. a bit. And it's like, well, are we going to modify how we do things or not? But um yeah, so I decided sorry, I went way off there, didn't I? But um <laughs> I decided that I would just stand my ground because during marriage equality, I kind of learnt that. I would argue back because I thought the record needs to be set straight because Mm. there's other people out there who are watching this and you can't let pieces of misinformation because so many lies were told about us during that. And I was like, no, 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 this, 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 you know, and I'd always do it in a nice and a very reasonable way. Um, And most of the time I am like that, but occasionally I'm like, no, you, you, you don't, you don't deserve the niceness. You're, you're a bully, and you need a bit of a, you know, rah back. Um, so for me, that's that worked because I've been famous in this country for a long time, and I do know and I feel that I have support from people, which is amazing mm-hmm. position to be in. I'm so grateful for that. I can't tell you. I get opposition, but I know I'll also get people who will support me. So I can do that and flush these people out and hopefully, you know, create a slipstream that makes people a bit more aware so that then they can help protect people like Nyadol Nguyen, you know, and and Mariam Beshade and other, um, particularly Muslim often actually women, but people who are subjected to these pylons, we can, we can then try and help at least, you know, as Julie Inman Grant says, report and support, that's that's the way to actually deal with this. Mm. You laugh it off and that's a wonderful thing, but a lot of people do experience trolling and online abuse. How? What's your advice to them? How do you deal with it? You know, I actually saw Charlotte Dawson two days before she killed herself. Just I bumped into her in a um, TV studio in Sydney and she was talking about the trolling, and but I would never have thought, like I was so shocked mm. when two days later she'd killed herself, so shocked. I didn't know her but only, you know, a little bit and I didn't really understand it. I was like, why don't you just get off Twitter and what's the, you know, what's the, I, I, how, how can you let them get to you like that, you know, um, the response that I think probably most people have. And it wasn't till it happened to me with the Israel Falau thing that I got it. And this was a lot, I was attacked by a lot of people who purported to be Christians. And it was, 
when they do those volumetric massive attacks, none of us are perfect human beings. All of us have something that we don't like about ourselves, some sort of aspect of our character that we think we're pretty shitty, you know. And in that spray, they're going to hit something like that that you don't feel good about. And that, that I think, is where it gets in, you know. I felt that. I felt absolutely terrible. Like I, I, I've, I started to have that sinking feeling and I went, oh, my God, I get it. I get why she did that. And it was gorgeous Julia Baird who, of course, could do it because she is a Christian and she identifies as a Christian who came to my defence. So it's that helped enormously when she did that and then, you know, then it sort of started, the tide started to turn and then people started to realise what was going on and, I totally get it. And and that's why, to me, I know that I can sort of marshal that army of supporters. And so I can go out there and Joan of Arc it, you know, um, <laughs> because I've got people behind me. Um, but I would never advise that for for people who don't have that level of support. For some people, it's like, yes, don't feed them. But to me, it was what I was wanting to achieve with all of it was to let people know that this is what we're up against, this is what's out there because these are not, this is not just, you know, random people expressing their opinion. As, as the commissioner said, they do this brigading thing. They all contact one another and go, and we're getting, going after this one. And their intention is to silence you um, to either, you know, drown you out with an avalanche of misinformation and threads that go for a million years but they particularly use that tactic with climate change stuff. So it's unbearable for people who are following you um, or they really intimidate you. And, you know, if we're going to say this is a, a, an open democratic forum, then everyone has a right to to um, take their place in the agora, which is, you yeah. know, social media these days. Well, it's so, mess- um, it's so messy, isn't it? Do you, do you think there's a way we can stop this kind of online behaviour or do we just have to find a way to live with it? I don't know. I mean, this is what the commission's doing. I didn't even know she existed till Natasha Stott-Despoyer told me about her. <laughs> I didn't know. Um, uh, so, you know, they're doing their utmost and, and no other country actually has a commission like we have here, so that's great. Um, it is – social media is the Wild West and – Remember the good old days when it first started and it was like... MySpace, six friends. Yeah, but but even before that, in chat rooms and stuff, it's like, you know, you, you know, remember you get flamed if you, like, said something mean to someone or, you know, I wish... I, 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 Take us I back miss, to the bulletin board. <laughs> yeah, I, I miss the, the courtesy. It was like sort of Jedi courtesy, you know. I'm not sure. I mean, that's why, you know, maybe interview um, Julie Emmett Grant because she's across all of that stuff. Um, I'm just doing what I can in my little sphere um, and hopefully by drawing attention to it, then then other people who are being attacked can maybe take some comfort but also say to people, now it's been mentioned in Senate estimates and we know that this is what happens and this is what's happening to me now, but also people who are seeing it happen report support that really is, you know, there's not just the one tactic because other times it's just like and ignore them and give them no oxygen and they do go away, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so, dynamic strategy. It's a, it's a good point because people often sort of look for the simplistic 
one-liner, and I, I actually do really like report and support, but just don't feed the trolls is is often overly simplistic. There's so many yeah, different it, it, scenarios. It really is. It's like, you know, and then everyone goes, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. It's like, no, be dynamic in your response because, you know, sometimes take them on, um, sometimes report, sometimes ignore. Yeah. <laughs> hey. You know, I mean, there's no one right response. Um, or, well, they're all right, but they, but but it depends on the time and the place and, and who you are and what support you've got. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend that other people uh, – I could only do that and I wouldn't have done it a few years ago, let me tell you, because I didn't feel confident enough. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit more Twitter toughened now. It's not for everyone, but what it has done – by doing that, it's enabled, you know, uh, a lot of people to see – how orchestrated these attacks are. Yeah, that's a, um, it's a very interesting new element to identify. I think really important to uh, to understand what's actually going on here. Now, Magda, before we wrap this up, my mum's name is Prue, but she's she's never been to to Noosa, um, but she's probably listening. Would you mind giving her a little shout out? Prue, I know. Have you been to Noosa to little curve? <laughs> Maybe I might send. Um, I might send her there just just so she can say she's been there. She should. She should. She should. Well, of course, if she was in Victoria, she couldn't leave Brighton, <laughs> <laughs> or as my friends and I prefer to call it Barton. <laughs> yeah. So you know, ho- hopefully, we'll all be uh, travelling all over the countryside soon. But um, look, I hope that wasn't too. Uh, you know, um, it's a subject you can tell I'm very... Um, yeah, it cuts really deep and you've had so much experience and, and I guess it's also just quite fascinating slash um, depressing the way it's evolving. So I can totally understand why there's so much to say for you. There's a fantastic book called um, This Is Not Propaganda by Peter Pomerantsev, who's a Russian... He was born in Russia but raised in the UK and is a journalist. Um about, for example, the way that influencers, uh, you know, social media influencers, some of them political parties will pay them to create sort of what look like really benign Facebook groups or whatever and then just start seeding in information that creates a certain mindset, Uh, particularly, for example, around law and order, you know, like just mentioning, you know, oh, this person got murdered or, you know, and they get paid to do it. So the, the corruption of of the democratic process is really scary um, because that, that this, this is how we form our – it's just the fact that we all go around saying don't feed the trolls. Well, that's just because someone said it and then we've all just – we all get a bit lazy and we go, oh, right, that's the, the way mm-hmm. to do it. You know, our susceptibility to being manipulated is, 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 is frightening, you know. Uh, it's, it's a, it's, it is a scary time in the yeah, world. It, is the, um, it really is. It is, it is the, the most sort of glaring um, vulnerability of this idea of open democracy and, and now that it's clashed with um, the, the internet, um, it's really being tested. So it's a, it's a bizarre time in history. Well, it's like Plato, you know, Socrates said, you know, that when everything's equal then it's the great challenge of equality because then it, it can turn into just a free-for-all. And as he said, then <laughs> that's what precedes tyranny. So yeah. uh, whether he's right or not, but it's, it's it's actually looking a bit that way, you know. I think content is a distraction often. It's mm. the pattern of it that's yep. actually yep. the point. That was the one and only Magda Zabanski. I actually started 
watching her in the early 90s, I think, when she was on Fast Forward. So um, I think a lot of Australians have had a long journey with her and her comedy career. Um, she's got some great books out as well. Her memoir, her own story, Reckoning. She's also got that kid's book, Timmy, The Tickled Off Pony and The Pool of Excitement, whatever the hell that means. Mum, hope you're listening. Hope you enjoyed that little shout out um, on your Prue. Uh, and I hope you have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Briefing. Uh, we'll catch you on Monday. A Podcast One production.